Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to the Royal Bond Podcast. It's Sunday morning, so we're talking DFS. Pete Davidson here, as always. Hope you guys are having a decent week. Uh, I'm feeling a lot better. Uh, for those of you who may have caught uh, our show on EEI this morning, I, um, I started feeling sick like late Friday night, and I ended up having to like lie down for a couple hours yesterday rather than do what I wanted to be doing, which was making DFS lineups. Um, got through it. I, I was actually thinking I might have like the dreaded, but, uh, cause it's going around in my family, um, on both sides of the family, but, um, so far so good. I'm feeling like a whole lot better today. Um, so this is going to be sort of a quick podcast. I just want to bring you guys up to speed, you know, full disclosure, let you know where I'm at. This is a unique slate in that it, it just feels low scoring, uh, before we even getting in, you know, before we get into the pricing, just, you know, the game environments, We've got slow games. We've got weird games. We've got games that are oblong. Um, or I could have found a better word there. You know, games that are just not even, where the the, the gap is big, where they where they're not going to be competitive, like Jacksonville, Minnesota. Um, you know, we've got some of the stuff that we want to play off the slate. Obviously, you'd love to get involved with KC. Um, so. You know, a couple things about this week. First of all, um, I was listening to uh, Dinkmeyer yesterday, and you know, he came and, and he and Leone uh, made a point which I don't know if I would have come to or not, which is why I want to give them some credit for it. But basically, don't get hung up on full game stacks and double stacks this week because a lot of these prices don't really demand that type of production, and I think. We've got so many plays that we might want to isolate this week that double stacking ends up costing you potential points. Um, so, whereas sometimes we might take, you know, full game stacks, I think there's a lot of single stack, bring back, and then look to find yourself some better matchups in other places. I'm probably going to do like multiple stacks within a lineup, but nothing that's, you know, hooking me too badly into any one game. The exception to that is going to be for me, and this is just the way my eyes see this thing. Uh, but I really do like, as I said on the show, I like Cleveland and Tennessee. Uh, I, I told you guys about that when we st- started the lineup rankings this week. Um, now, there's some things in this game that aren't good. Both teams should be able to run the ball, particularly Cleveland. Obviously, Tennessee wants to run. They want to use Henry. They should be successful using Derrick Henry. This time of year, Henry picks up steam. We've seen that in recent weeks. Um, So I like Henry here. I certainly expect him to do well. He was my number one ranked running back this week. Now, I almost flipped him and Cook last night. Almost. um, Because now with Cook, we know that Madison's out. That should lock his touch floor in. Don't know if it changes his touch ceiling much, but it certainly locks his floor in. Um... But in this game, I feel like, you know, when we go over to the Cleveland side of the ball, Chubb and Hunt, really, both of them in play. Now, Chubb will be the hot play, but you have to pay for it. Um, Hunt's been a little dinged up. He hasn't looked as good as Chubb. Um, But we do know that when Cleveland gets into a game and it's a swinging game going back and forth, both of these guys can absolutely go off. So I will probably have a Cleveland running back rule this week. I will probably have either Hunt or or Chubb in most of my lineups. I did that last week. Uh, the, the, the hunt part did hurt me a lot more than it helped me. The Chubb part helped me a lot. Um, and I think, you know, the game environments I'm going to play into here are Cleveland running well, keeping the game competitive, the Texans trying to open things up, um, to you know, to become the dominant team. So I, I feel like everybody on Tennessee 
is in play. I'm probably not going to be getting into Corey Davis just because I don't think I'm going to be playing enough lineups. But I think if you are playing enough, um, even Davis exposure makes sense. The price is certainly right. Um, I will be building some Tannehill lineups. Um, very little doubt um, about that. And of course, I say that, and then I don't have Tannehill's price handy. I know it's 62. It is 62. Um, I, I definitely am going to be building some Tannehill lineups. I may even get into some Baker Mayfield lineups. Um, you know, as, as much crap as Mayfield gets you. <laughs> Fantasy-wise, I think he was the Millie Maker winner last week. Um, he was in the lineup that won it. So, you know, I, I think it's easy to sort of focus on the things that Mayfield's doing poorly, and he's doing a lot of them poorly. His ball placement is for shit, but his processing of the game is um, really not that bad. He seems to be, you know, locked in fairly well in terms of just having a grip on what he wants to do. Um, he's just had some challenges actually doing it he's missed some easy throws uh, but he's also made some good throws you know it's just the ball placement's a little inconsistent but for me at 5300 in this game environment some exposure to Mayfield makes sense um, now you know I'm just thinking out loud here you know I definitely want to get access to Henry. I definitely want to get access to A.J. Brown. I definitely want to build some Tannehill lineups. I definitely want some access to Chubb. Definitely want some access to Hunt. I will probably build, like, one Mayfield lineup. If I was, if this was one of my, like, 20, 25 lineup weeks, I would probably build more than one Baker Mayfield lineup. Um, now, um, anything else we want to talk about in this game? Well, oh, this is actually... Uh, um, what? Kadrell Hodge, he's going to be out. He's been actually getting some looks. Taewon Taylor, neck, he's not going to be there. So the, the, the target stream is going to be fairly concentrated on Landry, Higgins, and Hooper. If you are playing a Mayfield lineup, I think they're all in play. If you want to try to leverage Chubb and or Hunt, I think instead of bringing back a Cleveland running piece, you could save money and bring back uh, one of the cheaper passing game pieces. You could do a little bit of mixing and matching. If there is a game where I'm willing to sort of stack the game and play four or five players from a game, this is the game. Um, so let me see, anything else... Nah, I think that pretty much covers it. I, I mean, I only have a couple lineups built for this game so far. I definitely want to do more. Um, other games where I'm interested, not necessarily in the game itself, but on pieces um, or games where I might want to do like a mini stack above a Cleveland-Tennessee stack. Um, you know, I think Jacksonville at Minnesota, there's a couple things that we can like here. I think any of the Jacksonville receivers, if you want to go there, you can, particularly Shark and Chenault. Um, I also love James Robinson in this game. Now you do you got to pay for him. Seventy three, you know, is a lot, and I think everybody sort of has in the back of their mind that hey, this Robinson guy's a free agent. I think at this point we can say that he's good. Um, whether you think he's good or not, the volume is there every week for him. He's going to be more involved in the passing game now. He has been. Uh, Minnesota is a great running back matchup. Um, the, the real question here is. You know, could Robinson be taken out because Minnesota gets way ahead? I mean, it's possible, but the thing is, I think even then you should be getting a little something from him. They commit to the run to set the pass up, even when they're down multiple scores. I think that's the way they're going to play it because Jacksonville just doesn't really know how to morph around and change their game. They're sort of a one-speed, one-trick offense. Um, now, on the Minnesota side, everything is good. I mean... Um, with Madison out, as we mentioned, Cook is that much safer. Now, 9,500 to Cook, you know, sort of like with Henry at 92. 
I want exposure to these players because their raw point potential is so big and they can sort of reset the slate. What I don't want to do is overexpose myself to these players because if they come in with a solid game of 20 points, they're not really paying off for you. 20 points is going to cost you at these prices. So I think you need to sort of feather your exposure. Um, on the other side with Minnesota, if they get into any passing scenarios, oh man, it's good. I mean, first of all, this is a good matchup for Cousins just based on the structure of Jacksonville's defense. Uh, I think it was Wes Huber again, who I absolutely love this year. He has so many good sort of informative points on scheme. Um, and Cousins is really good versus man coverage. Jacks runs a lot of it. Um, Thielen and Jefferson, to the extent that they are used in this game, should eat. Um, so I'm definitely going to probably want to have a significant Minnesota piece in every lineup I make. Um, I think Cousins is in play. The question is, can Jacksonville push them? Because we know Minnesota does have to be pushed to throw at uh, you know at high volume, uh, and that clearly is the the problem here. Minnesota is at 31.5 from Vegas. Jacksonville's at 21. And there is implosion potential here because when Zimmer sees uh, a, a dim-witted quarterback, he brings heat. Um, and it may not work, but if it does work, Jacksonville could get taken out. So, you know, I would be careful with Minnesota exposure, you know, going too much because this game does have a potential to go in a direction that could shut you out. Um, but by the same token, Minnesota is going to be hyper-efficient in this game. I don't see how Jacksonville really slows them down. They're going to be able to run. They're going to be able to throw. Um, <laughs> so that's that's the issue. Uh, moving down to Colts and Houston. This is a game I want to talk about because I'm not really on it. We love the way that the Houston target stream is condensed. Cook's targets are guaranteed. Kuti should get targets. Aiken should get targets. The prices on all these guys are pretty good, particularly Kuti and Aikens at 35 and 29, respectively. My problem with this game is, first of all, they're, it's a tough matchup. Indianapolis is trending better defensively with you know getting a little bit healthier. They also slow games down, which is potentially a problem. Um, they could control this thing on the ground, which is another potential problem. And then on the Houston side, I'm a big believer that, remember, Hopkins is gone. Even with Hopkins, the non-fuller splits for Watson were not good. Now we're looking at no fuller in addition, uh, you know, to no nuke. So, you know, it's it's really possible here that there's just not a good a lot of not a lot of good places to go with the football. Brandon Cooks is going to be facing different defensive postures now, right? The safety help isn't going to be on Fuller; it's going to be on Cooks. So, is Cooks going to be efficient with these targets? I I have a you know there's a good possibility he's not. Meanwhile, the field is going to be all over Brandon Cooks. So. I understand why they're on Cooks. It's not like a donkey play, but for me, I'm probably going to try to use Cooks as leverage and get off of them. Uh, meanwhile, I sort of like the other side of this. I sort of like, and, and again, the usage with Jonathan Taylor has been inconsistent. He gets off to a bad start. You could be screwed. So I'm not going to be putting like 50% on Jonathan Taylor, but I would like to get maybe in GPPs like 20%, 25% exposure to Jonathan Taylor. I don't want to let him be in a position to take down my week, but I do want to get myself in a position where if he hits the way I think he could, then I'm in on it. Um, New Orleans and Atlanta, unless I'm playing Taysom Hill or maybe the Atlanta defense, not something I really want to get into. Um, 
uh, Detroit and Chicago. Um, not really all that interested on the Detroit side. Hawkinson, I think, is a relatively good tight end play, but I don't think it's worth the payup. Um, on the Chicago side, you know, a Trubisky stack is not an outrageous idea because he can give you 15 points with his feet on a good week. Detroit is terrible right now defensively. They are going to be without their number one corner. They're going to be out without their number two corner. If their slot number three plays, that's Tracy Walker, he will be playing at less than 50%. Now, on the other side, A-Rob's playing at less than 100%. Um, they're going to have their number two wide receiver at less than 100%. Um, so, you know, Anthony Miller is probably the only healthy receiver Chicago has. That said, um, the other guys are healthy enough to play. Um, so, you know... I don't know if um, Allen Robinson is going to be his usual badass self, but he'll be out there. He'll be okay. Um, um, as far as um, Darnell Mooney goes, he's been battling an ankle all week, and he's a speed guy, so that's not good. Uh, but Chicago should be able to run. They should be able to throw the ball, ball to Montgomery. They should be able to throw the ball to Miller. They should be able to throw the ball to A-Rob. If... Trubisky has just a decent day with his arm. He would be in position to get up to like 30 points. And if that happens, you're talking about a 30-point low-owned quarterback with a 54-unit price tag. I'm definitely going to build a Trubisky lineup for all the reasons I just mentioned. Probably not more than that because I think I'm going to be low number of total lineups this week. I'm not recommending that you do it, but I do think you can make some pretty good arguments that it's a sharp um, large field GPP move. Um, with Tua in uh, for Miami, I'm basically out on Miami-Cincinnati. I just don't see anything there that's all that appealing. Uh, I think it hurts the Miami upside, which hurts the potential of the Cincinnati bringbacks, and I'm just going to stay away from that game. Uh, Raiders at Jets, I think you can make compelling reasons to get involved in this game. I do think you have to be a little bit concerned because both teams are going to be very willing to shorten this game. So I, I would... I would urge you to not go into this game with both feet and like put Waller in all your lineups or put Booker in all your lineups. Um, you know, I, I think some exposure to Booker is fine, some exposure to Waller is fine, some exposure to Rugs at 4,500 unit, 4, units in a GPP is fine because the Jets have nobody who can even remotely run with him. Moreover, they're going to need to deal with the run. They're going to need to deal with Aguilar. They're going to need to deal with Waller. I don't know how much safety help the Jets can afford to give Ruggs. So I think Ruggs, as a dart throw, has potential double touchdown potential in this game. I think he's worth some exposure to. Don't go overboard because he's got no floor. Uh, on the Jets' side, I think you could go roster block with Mims and Perryman. It's a little psycho, but for 8K, you could get about 14 targets if things go right. Both have touchdown potential. Um, you know, and it could create... I mean, you could talk about stacking with Darnold. I think that's sort of a bridge too far. What I think you can achieve is you pay down enough to get like three or four monsters into your lineup. And there are some sort of island play monsters out there this week, right? Um, we've talked about Henry. We've talked about Cook. Devontae Adams is a great play if you can afford it. So I don't know if I'm going to be doing that more than in a couple lineups, but I think roster blocking the Jets perimeter receivers this week because they're so cheap could be an empowering move in terms of what it does to your total lineup. Mess around with it. But be careful. It's the Jets. Um, Rams, Arizona. I think a Rams stack has some merit here. I sort of like Cooper Cup as an island play in this game. Um, 
Giants, Seattle, I think Russ stacks are okay if you believe the Giants um, can do anything. The problem here, obviously, is that Daniel Jones isn't playing. Um, if Carlos Dunlap is ruled out, I think I'd be more inclined for Russ stacks because then I think the Giants might be able to scrape out at least what Vegas has them at. If the Giants can just put up two touchdowns in the, in the first half, we're in great shape. If they can put up 10 points in the first half, we're in great shape. But it's possible that it swings in the other direction. Sometimes Colt McCoy implodes. And if that happens, you know, your rust stacks are going to go belly up. If you think that's what's going to happen, Carson becomes a pretty good play in this game. Leverage against the rust stacks and, and you know, hope that Carlos Hyde is more dinged up than they're letting on. And Carson ends up with a big volume game and a blowout. Um, Philadelphia Green Bay... Interesting game. We need Philadelphia to find a way to hit their Vegas implied total. If they do, then, you know, the Packers will have absolutely no problem going up into the 30s. Rodgers uh, is out there. He's chasing records. He's chasing the MVP. I think he's got a really high floor and a really good ceiling. The question is, do you want to get involved in trying to compact him with Adams? If you do that, you're looking at like 1,500.8 Obviously, that's expensive. I actually, the, the lineup where I used that jet block was, I did it in order to get Rodgers, Adams, and some elite running backs into my uh, group. I actually like it, you know, just in terms of a, like one lineup. I don't think I'm going to make a habit out of it, um, meaning I don't think I'm going to make a bunch of versions of that lineup. Um, but really, there's a lot of way to play around, a lot of ways to play around with Rodgers if you want to do it. If you want to avoid the Devante stack, which I think makes some sense, because for for him to pay off it, like as a raw point play, just to get him in your lineup, it makes sense. If you're looking to for him to actually pay off and 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 drive you up the board at 9k he needs to hit in the mid 30s or something like that so you know keep that in mind i think jones is an interesting play here because everybody's going to run away from him because philly's tough to run on but there are other ways he can hit so some limited jones exposure in gpps i think makes sense i think the rogers tanyan stack can make some sense because if it doesn't hit on the tanyan side if it just hits a little you're okay because tanyan's cheap but if it does hit you leverage the field and you're looking really good so i think in you know in large Field GPPs, Rogers, Tanya can make some sense. Um, moving down to the Patriots, um, Chargers um, game. I'm not real interested in much here, but I love Eckler at 71. Uh, I mean, obviously Keenan Allen's always in play, but the guy I really like here is Eckler at 71. Um, and then the afternoon games, not really um, my jam. It's 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 really the Eckler play, the Green Bay stack, maybe Carson as a leverage play, maybe some Seattle stacks. But I think when most of my lineups are put together, I'm going to find that probably 70 to 80 percent of my action is coming from these earlier games. Um, okay, so that that's basically it in terms of how I see these games uh, in the field. Um, let's get into some of the individual plays uh, that we're going to make, and I'll get you guys out of here. Definitely want this to come in in under 30 minutes, and we've got 10 or so minutes to play with. So I'm going to get through this quick. Um, obviously, most of what I'm about to say has already been mentioned. I just want to sort of put it in a digestible fashion if you guys want to sort of take notes or whatever. Um, so let's we'll just go through position by position. Um, running backs, there's a lot I like out there, which is why I'm really not beholden to these chalk plays. It's not that I think, 
David Montgomery and Booker are not good plays, both at 5,500 units. I think they're they're fine. I just, particularly with Booker, I'm not sure that I see the ceiling. Um, you know, I'm playing mostly GPPs this week. If you wanted to play those guys in cash, uh, you know, perfectly reasonable. I, I'm not sure that I see the tournament upside. I mean, how many times has David Montgomery just come in in a good matchup and dropped the 20 points we expect, forget about 30 or more, which is what we really want, right? So, you know, I'm not on those guys. I understand why some people are, you know, smaller field tournaments, cash, maybe, but for me, I'm, I'm not, I, I like the other stuff too much. So let's get to the other stuff. You know, I'm on Henry, I'm on Cook, I think probably in the 30 to 40% exposure rate on both, hopefully. James Robinson, definitely like him. Chubb and um, Mr. Hunt, I'm on those guys. Austin Eckler, for sure, like him this week. Um, th- those are sort of the guys I really would love to just have tons of exposure to. Now, also like Carson, as I mentioned, I think Gaskin is now in play because who the heck else are they giving the ball to? And they should be more of in a running mode with Tua. I think Jonathan Taylor is worthy of GPP exposure. Don't go too crazy because there's a lot of volatility there, but the matchup is killer. The team, if they're smart, wants to get him going. Like, this is that perfect time to say, hey, let's see if we can get this guy off. And I sort of want to be in it at 20, 25% in case that happens. Um, So that's pretty much it at running back for me. That's where my focus is going to be. At receiver, obviously, love Adams, but 9K is a bit of a problem. Love DK Metcalf. I need to have some exposure because if he snaps the slate in half, I want to make sure it doesn't ruin every single lineup I have. So I may have some one-off DK. I may have some rust DK stacks, um, but definitely want to get some exposure. Uh, AJ Brown, I want some exposure. Both of the Vikings receivers, Thielen and Jefferson, I want some exposure. Cooper Cup, I plan on having exposure. When I build my lineups around that Viking game, if I'm using Cook or Thielen or Jefferson, I will probably bring back, if I'm not bringing back a Robinson, I'll bring back a Shark or a Chenault, okay? Um, The Jets block is in play for me with Mims and Perryman. Uh, I didn't mention Kiki Kuti at 3,500 units, but certainly if you're sitting there and you've built a lineup, you're like, if I could just find a 3,500-unit receiver that doesn't suck, well... Kuti's a 3,500-unit receiver who doesn't suck. Definitely some volatility there. Like, the idea that he's going to go off, eh, this is a tough defense. So uh, Kuti, I think, is a toehold money saver play with some upside, but it's not like a lights-out thing to me. Um, Okay, what else? What else? Let's just go through the QBs. Definitely Rodgers, Tanny. Um, Russ, you know, Rogers and Tanny are my primaries, and then some Russ, some Trubisky, I think some Cousins maybe, some Herbert maybe, that's where my focus is, right, those, those six guys with a strong lean to Rogers and Tannehill, um, and then at tight end, um, I think, you know, I'm going to be looking to get Tanyan involved in some of my lineups. Certainly, uh, he's going to be a factor in some of my Rodgers lineups. I think Ferkser as a paydown obviously is an empowering move in terms of lineup uh, completion, in terms of getting to a total lineup that you like. I would be careful on the idea that Ferkser is going off here because Janu is out. I think you know, that's like a 20% scenario. Um, Aiken's a 29. I think the matchup is tough, but he is going to get volume and he's cheap, so he's viable. Um, certainly he's a way to leverage everybody who's going to be on Ferkser. Um, Kyle Rudolph at 34, I think is worthy of consideration. Hooper, if you're doing Tennessee Cleveland stacks, I think Hooper makes some sense. And I, who was it? 
somebody smart, this might have been Drew Dinkmeyer's well, mentioned that not only is Hooper a reasonable play, but he also would serve as leverage against Ferkser, who's in that same game. So since everybody's going to be on Ferkser, one guy they really shouldn't be on if you're looking at you know ownership rates is Hooper, who's at 38 not super expensive. Uh, I also think some Goddard exposure at 4,300 uh, is a worthwhile venture. Uh, as far as defenses I'm looking at, um, in terms of paydowns, uh, the Jets would be an extreme paydown. I don't like that as much as some other people I've heard. I think a better paydown is probably Atlanta or Detroit. Atlanta at 24, Detroit at 25. Um, if you're willing to pay a little more, I think Arizona at home, uh, not terrible. I think Seattle at 33 against Colt McCoy, if you can get there. Not bad. Uh, Green Bay at 38 against Carson Wentz. Not bad. Um, and that's pretty much it for me this week. Um, 25 minutes. That's good. That's where we're at now. Um, still got a little talking and some music, you know, whatever. But um, you've heard the important stuff. You could check out now if you wanted to. And I, just so you guys understand, it's not that I don't have more to say. I just feel like these Sunday mornings, which I think are ideal in terms of I've, I'm fully formed and all the information is there. So I feel really good about what I'm giving you here. I do prefer the longer hour pod, but I need to be in good shape on Saturday in order to do it. And I feel like dumping an hour on you guys now is going to take away from your ability to have time to do lineups. So I try to compact it. Um, on Sunday mornings. Um, so hopefully you guys are doing well. Hopefully this week's waiver wire helped you out. Hopefully the lineup rankings are doing well for you. If you're looking at the lineup rankings, I'm not going to have time to change them, I don't think. But move your Miami passing pieces down. I'm not as high on those guys now um, with Tua and for Fitzpatrick. Um, I've had a really good time doing Rotobon this year. It's been a tough year emotionally for all of us with all this stuff going on. It's been nice to have fantasy football as an outlet. I hope you guys have gotten something out of Rotobon bond for those of you who have not donated if you're a regular if we've helped you out if you've appreciated the product consider helping us out because that's how we survive um for those of you who listen to the pod but don't go to the site you donate through the site at rotobond.com it's in the upper right hand portion of the page um and hey, good luck today. Let's close up some playoff spots. Um, you know, I, week, week 14, obviously you love it because it's high stakes, it's playoffs. I'm definitely going to have four or five teams in. Um, I did less teams this year, so I definitely don't have as many as normal. But I'm looking forward to the playoffs to the extent uh, that I get to participate in them. Um, so hopefully we've got a lot of action next week. But in theory, you lose half your people once week 14 starts, at least in the seasonal, because in theory, half the teams have been knocked out. So um, hopefully none of you guys are in that mode. Hopefully we're going to have like a full boat next week, and I'll feel really good about it. Um, but uh, onward and upward, and, and, and bring home some of those uh, um, you know playoff qualifications. And go out and kick some butt on DraftKings this week. The one overarching thing I would say is don't get too hung up on projected scores search for upside you know floor plus upside is always our jam we want floor we want upside but this is a week that doesn't have as much price considered upside as some other weeks so if you're sitting there going man you know i normally feel like optimistic projections for my lineups go into the 200s and right now i'm feeling like this might cap out at 200 or 190 that's okay this week don't get too hung up on it just make sure your lineups make sense I still want to correlate this week. I just don't want to over-correlate. Probably going to have more singles than doubles. Uh, but I definitely want to stick with the games that I like. And I want to try to increase my odds by using uh, guys that hook up with my quarterbacks. Bringing back those players who could push the game into shootout status. Um, 
and trying to catch some lightning in a bottle. Um, but that's going to do it for the week 13 DFS um, Rotobon podcast. Um, onward, upward, and hopefully I'll see you guys uh, cashing, cashing some checks next week. Giddy up. you thought of me, but I'm not the one to call. And while there's a part of me and that guy you've seen up there on that screen, I am so much more. change this world for sure but I eat and sleep and breathe and bleed and feel sorry to disappoint you but I'm real Disappoint you.